Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. It seems that finally the sun is shining in the south of France as Marseille appoint their new head coach, bid farewell to their highly divisive president and secure a draw against a Lyon side who looked to be faltering in the title race. Meanwhile, Nice finally get a win and pile on the misery for Rennes and Julien Stéphane who just last year guided the club to their first ever season in the Champions League and has now resigned from his role as head coach. What's more, Niko Kovac again served up some coaching excellence as he guided Monaco to a hard-fought win over Brest, leaving just four points separating the top four in what continues to prove the most competitive and compelling title race in Europe's top five leagues. We'll be discussing these developments as well as previewing Saint-Étienne's match against high-flying Lens as we head into a double game week and the final stretch of the season. I'm your host, Jake Smales, and for this episode, I'm joined by Muhammad Ali. Mo, good to have you back, especially considering there's a lot to unpack at OM. Yeah, good to be here. I'm also joined again by Kale Stockwell. Hey, Kale, how are you? Hey, Jake, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Pleasure as always. And of course, Eric Devin is here. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Hey, Jake. Well, thank you. Good to, good to be back. It's good to speak with you guys after a busy and exciting weekend. An exciting weekend indeed. Um, and before we do delve into any of uh, those matches in particular, um, I'm thinking the Olympico. I think we should start by looking at the recent developments at OM. On Friday, Marseille released a statement announcing not only the imminent appointment of Jorge Sampaoli as head coach, but also the demotion of Jacques-Henri Ayro from his role as president, with sporting director Pablo Longoria taking over the role. Ayro will now act as a member of the club's supervisory board. Owner Frank McCourt said the following, This is a new chapter for Olympique de Marseille, and I am personally committed to making it a real success. I entrusted the presidency of the club to Pablo Longoria. His experience as a sports director and talent scout is matched only by his love of the game. His main priority will be to put football back at the heart of OM. Mo, what are your well? First of all, your thoughts on uh, Aero's demotion, and then uh, yeah, what are your? Um, well, yeah, initial thoughts. Um, it was a bit much, a, pretty much a surprise announcement on Friday night. I don't think anyone particularly saw it coming. Um, I mean, of course, there were you know lots of calls on social media. I think the fans had um, you know organised a bit of a virtual boycott. There were some um, you know a, a lot of noise basically on social media, um, and and of course um, you know issues surrounding the fan groups and of course uh, some you know things that have been going on over the last few weeks really hit a crescendo. So it probably wasn't. Uh, um, unexpected but no one expected it certainly to be happening on Friday just before the announcement of a new coach and of course um, you know ahead of a big game anyway um, that being the game against Leon uh, yesterday evening so I mean you know Frank McCaw who's currently in Marseille as we speak at the moment his first trip to, to, to Marseille in just under 18 months, which is a significant period of time, obviously COVID notwithstanding, um, it means he's definitely serious about turning the page. And I think 
relations, particularly between different stakeholders in Marseille, have gotten so bad so quickly that he's probably felt the need to, particularly as they stand um, on at the brink of a you know, new era with Jorge Sampaoli about to take the reins. He he also arrives tomorrow, um, and to you know do the best that he can to to sort of calm the tension. But there's still a lot of question marks because you know we. You know, long, long, perhaps longer term Marseille fans will remember in 2016, um, at the end of a very poor season and perhaps the same um, sort of disgruntled atmosphere in Marseille. The owner that at the time, Marguerite Louis Dreyfus, had, had arrived in Marseille to sort of calm attention, the installation of a new president at the time. Still, you know, vehement denials about selling, only to then sell two months later um, and then come back with, with, with an owner. Um, of course, McCourt is, you know, at least in public, is very adamant that that's absolutely not the case. He's even gone as far as, uh, you know, in, in discussions with the mayor of the city, who then spoke to RMC about an hour or two ago, said that he's he's still deadly serious. He's not selling and he wants to win the Champions League, which is, I think, precisely wow. the soundbite that OM fans don't want to hear at this point, um, you know, being a couple of years the wiser. Um but there is certainly calm, I think. Um, you know, the fans certainly feel like there's been a victory on their side. Um, it's good from, you know, many stakeholders to have the owner back in town. Um, and, you know, Pablo Longoria is, is well regarded in Europe and also very well liked by Owen fans because obviously the, the, some of the wonders he's, he's done in the transfer market very recently. Um, you know, having him as president, having essentially what they regard as a football man, as a president for a football club, um, ha- that aim has been achieved. But, you know, there's there's still question marks. I think we'll still have to see how, how it works out. I mean, you know, Longoria now has free reign to, to sort of sculpt and shape the side alongside uh, another Spanish-speaking coach. Um, Wilma Court obviously put in more money because there are a couple of players who are coming out at the end of their loan deals and, of course, at the end of their contracts. So will there be um, transfer funds this summer and to what degree? Um, and also, there's still the question about the structural debt, um, but also the, the issue of the style of At that point, will, will the court seek to buy it, etc.? How how concrete is his future plan? Um, but I think a lot of people can regard, compared to where we were about a month ago, or even two weeks ago with, um, you know, sort of the post fallout of the AVB era. Um, this is a very, very good sign. Um, you know, the team is starting to to play well. I think Nasser Laga has done a fantastic job in in the interim, and so that definitely feels like that this sort of nightmarish period is 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 over, and the team can just focus on uh, at least finishing fifth. Yeah, it does sound like. Um you know, given the kind of few months of, of turmoil that we are starting to see some more exciting times return potentially to the velodrome. Um, on the appointment of uh, Jorge Sampaoli, um, he was quoted as part of this statement and said, I've been told all my life that OM is a passion. Let the velodrome light up when a team goes to the stadium. Marseille is a people's club and I feel myself in this heat. We are not here to hide. We will play hard. When I received this proposal, I dreamed of being able to party in the city. In the world, there are quiet places and intense places. These are the ones I want, and I accepted without hesitation. 
this club has a soul and that's why we are here we are ready um mo I, we kind of talked about this last week um or a couple of weeks ago when it whenever it was that the um the san Paoli um speculation started but is that everything that you would want to hear from a new head coach um you know clearly he's somebody who understands and appreciates not just the history of the club but also it's dynamic and i guess it's dynamic with its uh, supporters so do you think he's going to bring back some of that kind of fire and some of that feel good energy that uh, marseille had under under bielsa i hope so and i think there's there's pros and cons to to that um obviously let's let's focus on the pros uh, for now i mean First of all, he, he definitely is someone that sees himself in the image of OM fans. They're very passionate, very, um, you know, fiery in his, in his um, demeanour, but also he just sort of consumes football in a way that not many coaches, you know, in, in, in Europe, particularly in France as well, um, fail, fail to understand, fail to even, even promote. Um, and it's, it's very important because Marseille is not like a lot of the clubs. I know it really seems... Some people will raise their eyebrows um, when, when they go on about it. You know, at the end of the day, the game is to finish as high as possible, to win as possible. Um, and a lot of people perhaps don't see sort of the, the cult of personality that you get with certain managers. Sam Powell being one, you know, Bielsa being the other. But, um, you know, they following quite, you know, a little bit dour um, sort of approaches from, from Rudy Garcia and then Andre Velasquez. It, it's good to see um, that this appointment has been made because this is someone that will stubbornly promote attacking football, will um, you know bring entertainment and rigor to the team, um, and over the last you know two three years, uh, that just hasn't happened at OM yet. Even when results had been going sufficiently well, the performances were were still relatively poor, particularly this year as well when OM were sort of in the beginning in the first few months challenging for the title, but still winning only 1-0 um, or 2-1 and, you know, not really promoting a good style of play. The, the the downside is, is that this is a coach who, you know, despite one good season in Sevilla, um, hasn't got a lot of European experience. It's coming mid-season, you know, so hasn't really had any um, selection on, on some of the players he wants to use, but also having just finished a job, um, you know, how, how equipped will he be to lead OM? Uh, to the Europa League um, so those are first of all initial challenges the squad obviously needs a bit of rebuild but also you know thinking longer term you know the Bielsa season as fantastic as it was and as amazing as it was um, you know there's a risk of trying to replicate that um, you know that didn't end well I don't think it was Bielsa's fault whatsoever but that sort of set OM back a year or two just to undo some of the things that he had put into place um, and you know, sometimes they say the sequel is never as good as the original. Um, and that's it's not to say that um, Sam Paoli is is sort of um, you know like a like a, a cheaper uh, you know poor man's Bielsa or anything like that. It's certainly not the case. But Bielsa doesn't think, seem to think so himself. He once said that Sam Paoli is not one of his disciples. Um, he's someone that is actually a much better manager than he is, and he's not saying that out of faux modesty. So by that you know, admission, of course, the fact that he spoke with the former OM boss via telephone over the past week uh, shows that you know they're they're very you know he's very serious about about the job and very you know very aware about some of the challenges that he has to get right very very quickly. Um, I you know I think what anyone can say is that they look forward to the ride, they look forward to 
um, shrewd moves in the transfer market, young players coming through, but also um, a very, very good style and, 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 uh, and a, a team that these notoriously demanding fans and passionate fans and fiery fans can be proud of. So I think that's what everyone's looking forward to. Eric, in, in light of that pretty balanced kind of assessment of how this move could go down, do you personally feel that, that Sampaoli could be the man to bring success to the velodrome? I think it depends how well he's backed. You know, I, I, I think that obviously the, we're, we're, Marseille are going to have a lot of uh, churn this season. They've got loan deals to, to make permanent. I, you know, I, I think that as Mo alluded to, and, I, and I, as I've said before myself, I do think that Pablo Longoria has done well in addressing need. Is, is the player always a perfect fit? No, but is it the right idea bringing in a player like Cuisance or Balerdi, a young player that could really blossom and is relatively low risk being alone? Paul Lirola, you need an attacking right back. Milik, you need a striker. He has addressed areas of need in a, in a, in a critical way. But I do think that the team, uh, by and large, is still... For me, over reliant on players whose situations are are a bit unsettled. Uh, you know, Tovan will be out of contract in this season. Um, Paye, okay, you know, he, he did all right last night, but you know, we know his inconsistencies. We know this is a player who's turning uh, 34 this season. Uh, you know, given uh, you know, given the position he plays, can you really expect a player to have that big of an impact on a team with Champions League impact, Champions League ambitions at this point in time? So I, I think to me. If, this, if, if Longoria can continue his good work and, and give uh, the tool, <clears throat> sorry, give uh, San Paolo the tools to work with, I think yes. But I'm looking back at this Sevilla team, his lone season in Europe, and it's kind of tremendously talented. Um, you know, a, a lot of familiar names, Wissam Ben Yedder, Clemo Longley. Uh, you had, uh, you know, uh, two former Bordeaux fullbacks, Tremolinus and Mariano there. Uh, you had Steven Nzanzi, you had Steven Jovetic, Pablo Sarabia, Vitolo, uh, uh, Sergio, Sergio Escudero, um, you know, Adil Rami still was a France international at that point. Uh, Gabriel Mercado was an Argentine international at that point. You really had a, a pretty strong squad that he had at Sevilla. And I, I, I kind of question um, whether or not, whether or not he'll, I'm not saying Sevilla is an easy march, right? I, I think that he did as well as he could. Fourth place in La Liga, given the competition, that's fine. You know, the team played, you know, a relatively attractive style of football. Um, you know, they they scored better. They scored nearly two goals a game. Uh, weren't the most sound defensively, but were exciting to watch, uh, which is going to get Marseille fans on side. But I think when the chips are down, right, I, I do think that something that, you know, as, as much as we like to think of Liga as being, you know, fun to watch and attack minded, and it often can be. I think that you know Monaco in particular have have proven that this season. I think when the chips are down, um, you know, it's it's teams that are solid defensively that that tend to do well, or at least tend to bat over the odds. I mean, I, I think about Lille in recent seasons. Christoph Galtier has had that team tight as a drum. Um, PSG always ha always have had a solid defense. I mean, not so much this year, but certainly in, in the years there with um, with the trio of Kempembe, uh, Silva, and Marquinhos in defense. And I do kind of wonder if, um, particularly if say Celeta uh, is, is sold this summer, I, I would say he's probably the club's most saleable asset. If they do want to sell someone and get a return in their investment, 
it's got to be him or maybe Camera. But I, I think Sledekar is more likely to, to depart. Um, and I think that, you know, potentially having a feeble defense and a, and a team that's lacking potency in attack and also lacking depth, I don't see that situation changing. Um, it could be a, a, a bumpy ride for Sam Pauli if he's not given the backing. And I kind of wonder, you know, given McCourt's seeming reluctance to spend in, recent, in the last couple of seasons at least, um, whether, whether or not he's the right coach to do things on a budget. Um, because, again, like I said, I think that Longoria has done a great job bringing in players, addressing areas of need, but he's doing it on a budget. These are not superstar signings. You know, even a signing like Leon made, say, bringing in Lucas Paqueta. That, a signing like that, 20, 20-ish million that he cost from AC Milan, that's not something to me that seems within, um, within Marseille's reach at present. And I, I do wonder... You know, I don't know. I don't know what Sam Pauli's record as a squad builder is, and I think that's what gives me pause about this. Um, you know, Amavi Mo is that a contract as well this this summer? Is that correct? Yeah, he's going to be out of contract. Yeah, I don't so, think there is any scope to renew at this time. Yeah, so I mean, he and Tovan, you see them both as being gone. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. Like I said a hundred <laughs> times on here, a strong Marseille is good for Ligue 1. But again, you know, it's, it's going to be on McCourt to give Longoria and by proxy San Paolo the tools to succeed. So the ball's in his court. Um, I think it, it's a potentially very exciting appointment, but it could also just as easily go wrong and quickly. Yes, yeah, certainly. It seems like it's one of those ones that will, will either go kind of extremely well or kind of crash and burn in a, in a, in a fiery meteor. Um, as it were. Um, I mean, McCourt's comments of, you know, wanting wanting the side to win the Champions League would suggest that desire to to build. But but, you know, as we as 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 Mo said earlier on, you know, that is that does not reflect what we have seen in recent seasons and particularly more recently. So it does remain to be seen. And I think, Eric, I think that's bang on. I think it will be um, entirely dependent on what uh, the shape of this team is um, in terms of the players that are there for Sampaoli to work with. Anyway, um, this is a, a fascinating discussion and I'm reluctant to, to move it on, but we should, of course, discuss the game which took place at the weekend. Um, Marseille welcomed title-chasing Lyon to the velodrome for the season's second Olympico. Uh, due to results elsewhere, Lyon had the chance to move within one point of first at the top of the table if they managed to beat Marseille, with OM unbeaten in their last three games and perhaps showing that they were there were some signs of life in their season ahead of Sampaoli's arrival. Leon took the lead on 21 minutes after a dominant start, thanks to Carl Toko Akambi's emphatic finish. The visitors, however, began to fade, with Marseille growing into the game and winning a highly controversial pen- penalty for a handball on Lucas Paqueta, which Arkadius Milik duly converted. In the second half, Paqueta was then sent off for Leon for a second bookable offence after a poor tackle on Dimitri Payet. And just like that, as in the reverse fixture, the game went out with a relative whimper, ending one all with the home side unable to capitalise on their advantage. Uh, Kale, um, I'll come to you for this one. I saw that you were suitably unimpressed uh, with this match on Twitter. Um, both sides boasted pretty poor uh, expected goals from open play. I think it was something like 0.38 for Marseille, 0.41 for Lyon. What were your thoughts on this match? 
I don't think it was a very good calling card for the league, personally. Uh, I thought both teams were poor in long stretches. I thought maybe Marseille has a little bit more, could get away with it a little bit more because they're missing um, some important players, especially because they lack depth at certain positions, like missing Sakai and uh, Rangier is a big blow. Uh, but yeah, I thought they were both. I thought they were both bad, to be honest with you. I thought defensively, they were they were both poor, which really translated into both teams being quite poor offensively. I just thought they they lacked. Um, you know what? I thought Marseille came on a little bit later in that second half and looked a little bit more fluid and a little bit had a clearer sense of what they wanted to do following the goal. Um, but then kind of imploded in the last 20 minutes when they were a man up and uh, really should have been probably going a lot harder to get the two the two extra points, but got dragged into a little piddly, petulant arguments uh, in the final 20 minutes mm. instead. I thought, um, broadly, I thought Lyon were bad. Like, I thought they started the game well, and then I thought they kind of do what they do under Rudy Garcia, which is just they can't find a way through, and then they just, run out of ideas. They look bereft. They were really, really bad in the middle of the pitch, uh, defending Marseille, especially in that second half. I thought the space between their two banks of four was too big, and they did a poor job of screening that area. I couldn't believe Marseille didn't get more shots. I think we had a total of three shots on target or something like that. Yeah, mm. I didn't think it was a great endorsement for the league. I was disappointed. What did you make of the... Um... The, the penalty call. I mean, uh, it, to, to, to my mind, and it seems to most, the ball bounced off Paqueta's chest before hitting his arm. And, and Garcia said after the game, we are the forgotten child of VAR. It must be male. If it was a woman, it would be more objective, softer, which I think is probably, you know, out of the playbook of the likes of Mourinho in terms of very strange kind of <laughs> nonsensical, weird post-match <laughs> comments. Um, yeah, Kale, what did you make of, the, of that decision? I thought it was harsh. I didn't think either of them were penalties. I was glad when they didn't call the first one on Denayer, and I was shocked when they called the second one on Paqueta. You know, personally, I'm of the personal opinion that, like, I would like to see fewer penalties. I would like to see fewer red cards. They changed the game so dramatically. I just think it should be so obvious that it's a handball and that it was, you know, somewhat intentional. Uh, and I, I don't think he could have done anything in that situation. Um, moving back on, I guess, to a broader look um, at the, the match, um, Eric, Kale kind of alluded to it there. Um, but was this a case of kind of um, after, well, I guess after the, the kind of strong run that Leon had been on in the, in the title surge under Garcia, are we now in games such as this starting to see kind of the limitations, if you like, of Rudy Garcia's uh, management, you know, not being able to find a way through or running out of ideas, as as Kale put it there. But, you know, I was I was kind of shocked that his first kind of attacking substitution, for example, was to bring on Ryan Cherky in the last kind of quarter or so, or, or certainly last third of the of the match. Um, what are your uh, thoughts on that? <laughs> Words out of my mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that was really frustrating. I, you know, I, I think Cherokee is a great player, but has a lot to learn. Um, you know, I, I think some of the way, he, I, I think that may have been down in part to the pressure that he's been put under in terms of the criticism he's received, in terms of the way he's used his young, younger players. I mean, Cherokee, Cherokee for some, but Maxence Kakare, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. This guy is, this guy is nowhere. 
you know, he can't play, you know, half an hour every other match or something. I mean, he was, you know, arguably that team's best, best player in Lisbon. One or work or one of them. I mean, I just, you know, how does he just disappear? I know Mendes Mendes is playing better, and I know Paqueta's done well, but the Kakare is gone, is is beyond me. And also, you know, why not why not call in Slimani sooner? I mean, Slimani was was I think has been really effective as a substitute. I mean, he was really he was really at the races, you know, coming off the bench. He's he's a player who's hungry, who has veteran nows, who is, you know, you know, going to make a difference, you know, in a match. He's, he's, you know, he wants to do that. And I, I think that, you know, for me, I think it's just, it's just mind blowing that you, you, you can't, you can't do that. I mean, the thinking about him coming off the bench against Marseille, Slomani, that is, you know, he had a ton of chances to very, very nearly win them that match. And I, I think that mm. that effectiveness and that doggedness is, is what you need, especially with that, with those stakes on the on, sorry, with those stakes on the table, with Lille having dropped points. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I take it Lille have a, uh, they've got Marseille in the week, right? Is that I think that's correct. Yes. Um, I have, yes. Um, so they have a tough match this week. I mean, let's not fool around about that. But the fact that coming off that Europa League match, uh, they're going to be tired. Uh, they and they ended up dropping points. You know, uh, take nothing with Strasbourg. I mean, I, I think that they've they've shown they can mix it with anybody this season. But um, yeah, huge opportunity dropped red card or not for for Leon to, you know, they they started out well the first half hour. They looked good, but I think as Marseille got to grips with the game, um, Leon just looked less and less effective. And yeah, and I do think Garcia made made some poor choices in terms of his, his substitutes again. His hand was sort of forced once Paqueta was sent off, but um, yeah, not not a good coaching performance at all from from um, from Leon, especially given what was at stake. Yeah, it does feel like um, Garcia isn't willing to take risks um, in those kind of moments. I mean, you mentioned also obviously not bringing on Slimani earlier on, but he really, you know, if Leon aren't in the thick of it right at the end of the season, you know, right either on the cusp of uh, winning the title or I suppose winning the title, actually winning. You know, if Garcia's record with young players is also kind of as poor as it has been, largely speaking, then, you know, that is another another stick that will be used to beat him with. You've got to think, I mean, the likes of... I still don't understand how Matai de Chilio is getting game time over the likes of Melvan Bard, for example, who clearly is a very, very promising player, you know, and de Chilio has, has done very little, um, very little good work in the, in the Leon, a Leon shirt for my money. Um, I mean, we should move on um, to Marseille, of course. Mo, uh, are you pleased with with that performance from an OM perspective? I mean, a one-man advantage, but of, at the same time, you managed to come from behind to secure the point. Yeah, indeed. And I think um, I think in the context of, of obviously everything, as we just discussed, I think that's, that's a, very much a decent point. The fact that, um, you know, just as we saw in the two PSG games, OM can actually pass the ball well. They can create chances. They can increase the tempo um, and be on the front foot. So it is encouraging, particularly when you look at, for example, the Nantes game last week where it was just really devoid of pretty much anything. Um, and, and, of course, uh, Bordeaux. But what we've seen with this team this this season in particular, um, obviously notwithstanding the past six six or so weeks, but they have been resilient, particularly against in, in challenging conditions. Um, I would have preferred, preferred some... 
um, intensity in the final 10-15 minutes, but I think, as Nasser Lager alluded to, the introductions of Sherky and Slimani saw that Leon were still going to go for the win because because of, um, obviously, their title aspirations, and I think mm. so that sort of spooked OM into just, you know, calmly just seeing the game out. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. I think the 4-2-3-1 is showing um, some flavour. I'm not particularly convinced by Florian Torban's performance. Yeah, he does show some good movement, but his, his really his attacking contribution in the final third is is next to nil so far in 2021. Dimitri Payet, though, however, is 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 um, showing some really good glimpses um, and, and chance creations. Um, yeah, so I think, like I said, in the context, four points, well, rather two points taken out of six, um, or enabling Leon to drop four points uh, <laughs> this season has been, uh, I think, very, very good. Um, and I think, yeah, it's we'll see how it goes. I really, um, even though first thing, really understanding the keeps uh, front page when I saw it, um, where it says that OM plays, uh, you know, as a referee, which I initially thought was meant playing playing the referee in terms of cheaply getting a penalty. But you know, we are kingmakers, I think, in the in the title race at the moment. Um, and so we'll we'll look to Lille on Wednesday, and you never know who will end up getting the favour from this team, uh, which ironically at the moment stands to be Paris Saint-Germain. Oh, can I ask you quickly, um, Saifedin El-Kawi, does, does he have a feature? I, I, I thought he was excellent when he was on loan at Caen. I think he looks bright whenever he does play. Do you think that he's someone who has a feature at the club, or are you less than impressed with him? Um, I don't I don't think he has a feature at the club, and that's pretty harsh because he's doing that. He, he just came off a very good two-goal haul at Nice a couple of weeks ago, but you know he's been given some time uh, to start at Nantes and at Lyon, um, and um, being hauled off both times isn't really a, pretty much a good sign. I think um, it was a bit of a surprise the fact that he was so convincing against um, against Nice, but um, even though he did have. Uh, a good loan spell away, but that was nearly two years ago, more than two years ago now. Mm. Um, you know, he hasn't really been used at all other than the last five, ten minutes of the game, or really as like an emergency option in the cup. Um, and uh, it's it's just, I don't know, he just hasn't got the quality uh, to be um, a first teamer at the moment. Um, and I think he will be I think he might be another one, actually, that's out of contract, but I, I, I don't see a future for him. But right now, as Owen looks sort of paper over the craps, he can be a useful option, particularly when so many of his teammates are un- really not doing any better than he is. He's also 25, so you you know, you know can't and see... And he's not as young, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of him as being young because of you yeah, know, those, so those scars away, but he wasn't even too young when he joined Marseille, I don't, I don't think. Um, anyway, Marseille weren't the only club uh, to uh, feature some kind of behind-the-scenes upheaval um, over recent days. Um, I am, of course, alluding to the elephant in the room. That is Ren. We'll move on to that in a minute. But they hosted uh, Nice, um, uh, a Nice side who were hovering just above the relegation zone uh, and on a run of three straight defeats, uh, while Julien Stéphane's side uh, had gone six games without a win. Wren started this one brightly, but on 18 minutes, they gave away a penalty that was duly converted by inform Amin Guiri. Nice were very much in the ascendancy, 
but a wicked strike from Martin Terrier leveled the score. Wren were denied what looked like a clear penalty after Jean-Claire Todibo seemed to attempt to drag uh, Jeremy Doku to the ground, although that decision would come to haunt Wren, who subsequently went behind from a Flavius Daniliuc header and were unable to find an equaliser. The match ended 2-1 to Nice, uh, Nice recovering, and uh, Wren on a losing streak of seven. Um, Let's start with the game itself, if we may, before we discuss um, the obvious fallout. This was a pretty action-packed affair. What did you make of this one? It was a very entertaining match, actually. You know, I I thought that both sides were were really going for it. The first half, you know, that things were level at the first half, I think, was a a fair reflection. Um, But again, you know, I, I think this is why that that idea of stagnation um, has has crept in at, at Ren, and and that's you know okay. Look, you know I, I know you know Adam, our colleague, ha- had had some praise in the Guardian today for uh, the pairing of Todibo and Saliba, and they are doing all right. Um, I think their their mobility and invention in terms of passing from 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 center to defense has, has been something that's been lacking since Donch has been injured. But again, you know, this is a, a totally makeshift team. I mean, you know, you've got, you know, looking at this 11, like who besides Guiri is even going to necessarily pop up with a goal? You know, I, I think Budawi had a decent match. Um, but, you know, I mean, you've got Insoki playing as sort of a makeshift left back. I don't, you know, Danny Lich is a makeshift right back. Camera is playing further forward than he usually ought to. Um this is not a world-beating Nice side. And the fact that it, a team that was in the Champions League invested in invested over the summer, like they wanted to stay there, um, and, you know, aren't, to my money, I don't think really dealing with any injury issues. Um, I mean, I, that looking at this 11, maybe I'd swap Borijo in for Grenier, but that's, given their summer investment, that, that's a first-choice 11. Um, or Malasa in for True Fair. But, you know, the, the, the point stands. This is a a first choice 11 for Ren and to turn in that limpid of a display on, on the balance of it, you know, uh, I know that like, as you correctly said, they had their moments, but really to, to, you know, to not get at least a point against Nice at home, you know, whatever it is for Stefan, he's lost it. And, and it was clearly on display uh, on Friday evening. Well, yeah. And, um... I guess that's the perfect segue into uh, the aftermath of the match, which, of course, saw Julian Stefan hand in his resignation, which the board have since accepted. Um, Stefan led Rennes to their first trophy in 48 years after beating Paris Saint-Germain in the Coupe de France final in 2019, while also qualifying the club for for the Champions League for the first time in their history. But, yes... uh, it has been put forward on the show in, in recent weeks and there as well that um, speculation and pressure has been mounting um, on what's proving to be a pretty underwhelming um, and poor season. So, Kale, Stefan has resigned. What are your thoughts on the decision? I think uh, you never like to see someone get fired, but I think it, it was probably coming. I mean, rank him into this season, I expect with high hopes, you know, they were in the champions league, as you mentioned. And I think there was a lot of thought given where some of the other clubs were at in the league, you know, Lyon, many people thought they'd sort of be rebuilding Marseille. Maybe everyone wasn't exactly sure. Lille, 
always a little bit of uh, turmoil in the summer. Really thought that this was a chance for Ren to get back into the Champions League, make it two in a row. They went out, they spent uh, a lot of money in the summer. Um, they acquired a lot of players who I think are, you know, some quality players. I do think some of them that was sort of the acquisitions were a little bit overhyped. But uh, certainly I think people expected more and Stefan just under-delivered. And, you know, they can't, they can't maintain uh, this sort of form and because they have to find a way into Europe, I think, with the money that they're spending now. Um, you know, I will say, maybe I'm a little bit negative, but I've never been like an immense Julien Stefan fan. I've thought he's been okay, but uh, I haven't found myself really overwhelmed by Ren's performances tactically. I never thought that they were producing anything um, unique or overwhelmingly interesting as compared to other coaches throughout Europe. I thought the hype around him was a little bit too great. And I think what you saw this year was a team that uh, they never hit their stride. Like they never, you know, they had some results. They had a period where they had some results, but I watched a lot of them and I've never really thought, wow, this team's putting in a consistent performance, you know, two, three weeks in a row. I've always felt like they're lacking something and that's got to change because they have the players to produce um, at a much higher level. So hopefully they can find someone that can help them achieve their potential. But I think Stefan's time was, has sort of rightfully been ended. Well, Kale, you, th- you think that Ren are underachieving or you think that they bought poorly? They- I think they bought okay. I do think that they're underachieving slightly. I, I, I think that there's more for that team to give. And I think if you're going to have someone like Kamavinga and if you're going to have uh, Doku, and I think they have incredible fullbacks. I think you could say they have almost the best mm. fullback depth in the league. Then you have to be near the top of Ligue 1, like especially in this season and in this moment where really there is so much latitude it at the top end of mid table, like Ren are ninth right now. That is, that's just not acceptable. Like they have a plus three goal differential for a team with the talent that they have. They really shouldn't be behind Mets. I think is sort of to put it really simply and like credit to Mets, whatever they've been playing great, but like Ren have the talent. They should be in the conversation for Europe. And I know things are tight down there, but you know, ninth place, is just, they should just be performing uh, better, I, I think, agree. with the talent that they I, have in their squad. I, I don't know, guys. Guys, I, you know, I don't see it. I don't. They don't have a goal scorer. Well, no, I, last year, I think. I think. And by Young's a sorry, flawed sorry. player. And by Young's a, a flawed player. What did he have last season? You know, he's someone who'll get you a goal every other game. They don't have that now. Sergio Girassi, despite his injury woes, has not been that since he returned to fitness. Martin Terrier maybe could could be that, but has, has never been given a chance to play centrally. Um, you know, Stefan's chopped and changed. This team, Ren spent the most on any set of players in the league. Almost 80 million euro. More than PSG, not net spend, but total spent on players. And I, I, yeah. don't, I, I think that in not getting a recognized striker, given what they knew about Nbany Yang's contract situation, that he wasn't willing to play. Mm. And, they, and Serhu Girassi was the answer to that? You spent more on, on him on a striker than you did on... Or sorry, you spent more on Jeremy Doku than you did on a striker? 
look, I, you know, they need goals were the answer. Like, you can't succeed without a without a decent striker who'll get you fifteen or twenty goals in Liga. And Ren failed to address that. And I think that, you know, they've had some decent passages of play. I think Stefan has to take some of the blame given how he's chopped and changed the team tactically. But injuries have played their role as well. But again, I, I don't think that the club as a whole, you know, and I know that there's good pedigree there with, um, uh, I'm sorry, Florian Maurice having come from, from, from Leon. But I don't think they bought well this summer. And I, I think that's what's, and I don't think the talent's there for this team to be a top five team. Mo, what's, what's your take on this? And, and what do you see as being the next step for Ren, either in terms of a, a possible appointment or, you know, the next the next step for this project, because it does feel like, you know, they made this big step up to the uh, to the Champions League for the first time in their history. And um, as both Eric and Kale, I think, alluded to, we thought maybe they would um, kick on, particularly with inconsistencies elsewhere this season. But they really, really have not. Uh, what's next? Yeah, I think, first of all, like, there's points from both of, uh, you know, Eric and Kale. Uh, there in that, you know, a lot of things have fallen into place uh, for Ren to, to, for them to experience some of the success they've had over the last 18, 24 months. But um, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with, with, you know, Eric, considering the fact that, you know, nearly 80 million euros, 65 million pounds, I guess, the net spend, well, even better that the net spend is so low that they could have really uh, pushed the boat out on a, on a proper number nine. Uh, but that wasn't, um, something that they felt that they need to address or or found the right profile for which is very weird considering their um entry into the champions league group stage i think nine months ago they were perhaps on the on the dawn of a new era because so much has happened you know we, we all remember ren as the perennial underachievers you know with on the part with senatien in the first part of the 2010s um you know always getting so close but never quite there um, and flip-flopping between Europa League and the top half finishes somewhere. And now, finally, everything had come, you know, everything had come at once. Uh, the title, you know, going far in, uh, sorry, not the title, the, the French Cup, uh, <laughs> and the Champions League group stage qualification, etc. Um, and for them to be ninth is, considering the level of outlay as well, is very, very poor. And I think where that's concerned, you know, players start to depreciate in value as well. For example, uh, you know, Kamavinga's a fantastic asset, but has he really, you know, hit the heights of, of the last 12 months? The answer is no. They're going to need um, a proper, um, perhaps even a big name um, to come and sort things out. I think Bruno Genesio, while obviously very successful, um, with, with, with well, relatively successful uh, with Leon and the guys, perhaps not the answer, I think. Where Lucien Favre was was once named, you know, on the side of mm. OM or Leon, who'd love to have got him. If Rens can snag that, I think that would be a real bonus as well, because this is, a, you know, a, 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 a manager that obviously has a very interesting style of play, has got a good record with with youth players as well, and um, in the league that he knows pretty well. Um, and I think Ren, who are never paupers, you, know, you have to remember that they do have a, a, an owner who is worth a significant amount, of course, they're not going to spend a lot, but they've got, they're, they're sustainable and obviously have a good conveyor belt of talent um, and also have the riches from the Champions League this season. They haven't been as heavily affected by, by COVID as perhaps other teams. So, you know, they should be aiming at the very least for 
top five, top six every single year, particularly from here on in because yeah. of the outlay, because of the growth in players, because of the depth that they're now getting from the gun. You know, some of the signings, like obviously Alfred Gomez, they had to sign, of course, but Agard from, from Dijon, Terrier, um, you know, these are players that have done pretty well in, um, in, in the gun over the last year or two. Uh, obviously, Terrier, well known um, from, from Strasbourg days as well. Um, you know they're 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 really starting to push. You know, signing the best of the rest from from the from the teams around them in the and that's the policy that can certainly work for them. But they have to have the conviction, the tactical approach, the the you know the signings. They cannot be mismanagers in in the transfer uh, window uh, going forward. You know, this season can be a bit of an aberration. I don't think they'll they will be uh, you know suffering calamitously if they don't make Europe. But they need to be really ensuring that this is an elaboration not the start of a precipitated decline. Yeah, a, d- a disappointing end to uh, what seemed like a promising, uh, very promising pairing and promising uh, project, if you like. Uh, finally on this quickly, uh, Kale, I'll come to you again. Obviously, you're not uh, Julian Stefan's biggest uh, fan. I think I think your kind of your sentiment is shared by by others for sure. But um, what do you see as being the next move for him? Because regardless of his kind of limitations, you know, he is touted as 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 being a very talented young coach. Is there anywhere in particular you can kind of see him um, see him moving uh, going forward elsewhere in France or or in Europe, perhaps? Uh, that's a really tough one. Um, I think I probably see his future in France because he still seems to have a lot of admirers here. And to be honest with you, to be frank, I just don't think he's nearly good enough as a young manager to get a prominent job elsewhere. Um, I think it'd be nice to see him. I would. I still think it's worth taking a chance on Stefan if you're a sort of mid-table club and you can give him some time and he can take some time, I think, to you know, improve tactically a little bit. I mean, I think Bordeaux would be a really interesting fit, you know, depending on what happens at rest in the summer with their manager. Um, you know, places like that, maybe Montpellier, depending on, you know, what they end up doing with uh, Zakarian and where they finish in the table. I can see a, a move, something like that. But, you know, if, sorry, to a little bit of an aside, but just to jump on something Mo said, and I think this is a gripe I have across Liga, and I'd be really disappointed to see um, Ren sign someone like Bruno Genesio as their manager. I just think we need more teams in Liga to be more bold with their mm. managerial choices. They need to go out and find better young managers and try and convince them to come in to what I think are really good projects. I know there's issues right now with money and that kind of stuff, but like Ren have some really, really good young players. When you talk about a guy like Jeremy Doku, who I think is a spectacular talent, they have a, a tremendous fullbacks in Truffert and Sapi, I think is going to be, are both going to be excellent players. Bowie is on loan and, He's a great player at Kamavinga. Like this is a good project and, and league on teams just generally need to be more adventurous in who they're going out to. And if I can just tack one more thing on there, that's like more of a broad thought, but I was thinking about this a lot over the weekend. It's just, I don't know enough about the coaching development programs in France, but with the issues that um, the TV rights deals have brought up and, you know, the lack of revenue, I think that you're going to see, or, you know, lack of revenue relative to what you were hoping to see from the TV deal coming. I think that has to be a real focus for the LFP and the FFF and everyone going forward. 
because that to me that is the real um, leveler when it comes to the wealth disparity and I think when you look at a league like the Bundesliga where you're seeing so many every year you see another really tactically innovative young manager come out of that league you really don't see that in France not nearly enough and sometimes you get it from from guys coming up from Ligue 1 but it's very rare I think they there really has to be an acute focus of that on France going forward and you know I'd look at teams like Bordeaux and uh you know talk about Saint-Étienne later and clubs like that hiring guys like Gasset and Puel and to be honest as a fan of the league it's just a little bit disappointing I would much rather see interesting tactically advanced managers coming in so again I don't really need to see Bruno Genesio again I feel like I know what he is <laughs> Rudy Garcia Leon is the same thing like let's get some new blood in and and try and liven things up a bit uh, I couldn't agree more that's a gripe I personally have with 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 several leagues in in football I think kind of the recycling of managers that we see rather than kind of the uh, emphasis on on giving giving bold making bolder decisions I guess with managerial appointments or devoting time to uh, the training of some of these brighter young minds in the game that would certainly benefit league on um for sure and uh, and I'm sure Ren with a bold appointment um anyway we should make a return to the title race and to a team who certainly aren't having any managerial problems and that is Monaco they welcomed Brest to the principality uh, hoping to consolidate their pressure on the top 3 Brest meanwhile boasted just one win in their last eight ahead of this match uh, but had run both Lyon and Lille fairly close in the last couple of matches Monaco applied the early pressure and were awarded a penalty 30 minutes in following a handball. Wissam Benyeda's penalty was, however, saved by the returning Brest goalkeeper Gautier Lassonneur, uh, a relatively tame effort from the Monaco striker. The Brest goalkeeper did his best to foil Monaco with a strong uh, performance and a string of impressive saves. Uh, however, a bold triple substitution from Niko Kovac on 59 minutes ultimately paid dividends as substitute Stefan Jovetic and subsequently Kevin Volland gave Monaco a 2-0 win. Eric, I feel like we're kind of repeating ourselves uh, most weeks, but was this another match when we saw uh, Niko Kovac's ability, not only as a tactician, but as someone able to read the game and seek to change things accordingly? Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is, is play Alexander Golovin. Um <laughs> No, I, I, it's funny, you know, in my work with Liga, I, I, I found a stat. He has been involved in a goal thir- once every 39 minutes this season. Um, four wow. goals, six assists in 393 minutes. Um, Golovin has. Uh, but again, you know, he imbalances that team in terms of their tactical, being tactically resolute. So he's not a, he's a luxury item. Um, but no, I, I think, again, you know, it seems to me to be a little bit of a risk on Kovac's part to play that. Uh, 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1 again. Uh, it seemed a little bit unnecessarily negative, um, but he wanted to place faith in those players after um, after how well they had done against PSG. Uh, and they remained solid, which, you know, was important. Uh, Brest are dangerous uh, defensively. And I, yeah, and I think that, you know, against what could be a tough opponent and an opponent who were, who were being difficult, the Lersonaire was exceptional. Um, you know, Monaco persevered and they showed that they have, you know, not only the organization and, and motivation to get things done, uh, but also the depth in terms of their attacking talent. And uh, again, I think that, you know, Kovac has been an outstanding tactician. We've said that, you know, 
his adaptability and flexibility and, and ability to improve players has been tremendous all season, but he's also been an excellent man manager. Um, but he can keep a player like Javatich who, uh, you know, is, you know, no spring chicken, but is, is hungry to play and it, it can be a top level player, uh, you know, when he's used to the amount that um, Kovac is playing him, you know, well done. And it's the same thing with Golovin. Like I said, he's an incredible attacking talent, probably doesn't have a tactical discipline to be a starter week in and week out. Um, that combined with him having come off an injury earlier this season, serious one at that, um, you know, means he's not a, he's not a nailed on starter. But I think that the solutions that Kovac has had for 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 all these issues, both personnel wise and ta- and tactically, uh, has really been ingenious. And I, I think that you know he deserves every every ounce of praise we can give him. I think if Leo win the title, Christoph Galtier deserves to be manager of the year, obviously, but. I think that the improvements that, that Kovac has made, um, you know, the improvements that, that those two midfielders, Fofana and Chalmeni, have been pretty much excellent all season. Betty Schiele has come on leaps and bounds. Uh, Caio Henrique has come out of nowhere to be, you know, one of the league's best left backs. I think that, I think that we really have to, uh, you know, continue to, to, to laud Kovac for the job he's, he's done in all aspects of the game. I completely agree, uh, Eric. And, and, and Mo, look at, looking in the other dugout, obviously you have Olivier Dalolio, who we've, I think, mm. uh, very deservedly praised uh, this season at points. But that is now one win in nine um, and Brest at 14th in the table. Has this run kind of taken <sighs> the, the yeah. gloss off what has been otherwise a, a good season? You know, it seems like only yesterday that we were talking about them kind of being, or, or him being in with a chance of, the Leon job potentially, or at least kind of a, a managerial accolade at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I definitely recall him sort of in the conversation of being in sort of the manager of the season um, running. I mean, they were seventh at the time. I think recent developments, you know, the fact that um, a lot of teams below them are starting to get their things into gear, for example, Lorient and Nîmes in particular, but also um, you have, you know, Mets uh, as an example really going um, up up the table, that Brest have, have been unable to to really uh, follow that trajectory that they had. But the funny thing is that they continuously give the top six a game. Um, and as we saw the mm-hmm. Stade Louis do, you know, Monica really had to wait. And, um, you know, the introduction of Golovin definitely changed the game, but Monica were forced to really work and be patient for, for their three points. But as we saw also last week in their Disappointed three two defeats um, to to Leon. I think uh, yeah, give another half an hour. I think Leon definitely could have <laughs> could have really thrown that game away. And then we saw um, a, you know a very solid draw away to the league leaders and uh, a good win at you know at home to Bordeaux. Um, again, the, the inverse game that they had at at Leon um, and a really you know I think this this fixture particularly on Saturday followed their performance in in the Parc de Prince where they really gnawed away at the opposition for, for a, a bit of time. Um, what's what's not working? Goals, first of all, I think. Yes, they did get to uh, last week, but um, they found it really difficult to to dominate opponents, but also really clinically take their, their opportunities. I think the defence is um, not as good, not as structured as it, as it was, perhaps. Um, that 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one, um, is, is not as potent as it, as it used to be. Um, and it's it's a shame because you know this is a team that really looked 
um, like a banana skin for a lot of the opponents, particularly in the top 10. And to some extent, it has been this season, but really now their focus has has dropped a little bit and results are, are, are very, very poor. Of course, you know, they've still got difficult games. You know, they really need to win their midweek game at, at home to Dijon. Um, you know, they've got PSG in the Cup and then Marseille um, very, very soon. But after that, it should be uniquely bottom of the table sides. And that's where we'll see where the measure of, of, of Brest, whether Olivier Delalio really has the tools to arrest the slide. And, you know, Brest, I think anyone could say, are one of the teams that really do deserve a top 10 finish. Um, and so they'll have the opportunity to show the case that. Yeah, they will indeed. I think, as you say, those um, those those games against lesser sides if you like are the ones they seem to have been struggling in more recently you look at defeats to to Rennes who of course aren't in particularly good way themselves Mets okay fair enough Mets are in good form but it isn't as you say um the uh, the typical big teams who seem to be causing them quite so many problems uh, at least in recent times um anyway that will be that from the weekend's action but we do of course have a double game week ahead of us uh, as we move further into the final third of the season. Um, guys, two teams who we kind of haven't talked about uh, in a while and I think are having very interesting seasons, if not kind of small spells at the moment, are Saint-Étienne and Lens, who clash this Wednesday. Um, Les Verts um, lost to Lorient at the weekend, but had otherwise been on a decent run of form uh, unbeaten in their five previous games after I think many of us on this show had them as shoe-ins for the relegation battle. Uh, Lance, meanwhile, continued to impress and overcame a 2-0 deficit at Angers to draw 2 all uh, after a late equaliser. Um, Eric, ha- have we seen a bit of a renaissance from Santé in, in recent weeks? Uh, I mean, the, Lorient's defeat is their first since the derby at the end of January, which is... Uh, at, so that was three wins and, and two draws during that time. Yeah, I, you know, again, uh, Lorient, we're, we're missing some some players. Uh, you know, Vincent Legoff is coming back from COVID. Jeremy Morel is, was, was injured. Uh, Tara Moffey seems to have, uh, you know, seemed to have stopped his blistering pace. Um, but again, I, I think that, uh, the the signings that, as I was saying when we were chatting before the show, the signings that uh, Sante have made uh, in in uh, in in defense and Anthony Modeste as, in uh, as a, as a central striker have made all the difference. Um, you know, it, it's it's allowed Sante to play just a little bit more positively, um, and I, I think and to use the, the pace and width that they have in terms of Luanga and Nordin. Um, and, and to play a more balanced system, um, I, I think it was, you know, a little bit patchwork, uh, tactically and personnel-wise, from from Puel through the early part of the season. But it looks like they've got they've got things sorted at this point in time. And I think that that's, you know, despite I mean, you, you alluded to misgivings here on the show about Sansei's ability to stay up. Uh, that was me. I, I, you know, I, I think before these players are brought in, they looked like a total mess. They didn't have. Uh, a goal threat. They'd had players be injured for long stretches of the season, mm. um, but I think that I think that that's that solidity and that physicality that a, the players like Modest and Cisse can bring to the team um, have made this team, you know, play with a little more grinta, if if I may use the the <laughs> Latin American word. Um, and I think that that's something that you know, you know, I, thinking about uh, you know, the, thinking about Claude Puel's best teams, like. 
even if they've had attack and flair, um, I think that, that that idea of like a, a battling spirit and a combativeness uh, is something that you can get a lot of mileage out of. And there's no shame again in, in losing to losing to Lorient. Um, you know, even a, even a diminished Lorient. Um, so, like I said, it, it's um, it's a I think it's a win that Sente would have hoped to have got given Lemarlu's absences. But as I said, but you know, uh, it, it's a, a bit of a, a tough result too um, to to you know to come back uh, from being ahead and lose. But again, I, I think Sente are, are on the right path, and you know, despite that that setback, um, you know, they're they're still what six five points clear of. Uh, the playoff spot, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, probably two more wins in there safe. I think. I think it's hard to see Nîmes or not getting, you know, another, you know, eleven or twelve points in in the next uh, uh, eleven matches. Um, as well as that, that uh, Mo coming to you now, as well as that kind of um, Grinta that 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 Eric alluded to uh, there. Do do you feel that that um, Sante's January signings, the likes of Pape Cisse at the back, who was obviously at Olympiacos and has a bit of experience um, playing abroad, and the likes of Anthony Modest, who is obviously a very experienced um, player in his kind of early 30s. Uh, do you feel that adding more experience to this team has also kind of helped pave the way? Because obviously there were experienced individuals in this side, you know, the likes of Mathieu mm. Debussy and and co. But do you feel that that these guys, these January editions, perhaps are kind of helping Puel steer the ship a little bit and will give them perhaps an, a, a bit more of a backbone in challenging moments, if you like, like, I guess, the upcoming match against Lance? Um, I think, yeah, absolutely, in the short term, um, particularly because obviously the Saint-Tien of, of pre-January were not in the in a good position, of course, they never really are these days. But, um, you know, people coming from different environments, um, you know, Modest and and Cisse, you know, they've come from teams of, of different levels, of different uh, objectives. And in particular, like you mentioned with Cisse, you know, having that uh, experience in, in Europe with Olympiacos and also title challenges can offer a, def- a, a different dimension in particular. But... It's really not enough, I think, at this point in time. I think there needs to be really a cohesive, um, you know, mindset um, by Romayi and Kayat. So uh, at the head of uh, Saint-Étienne, I think in particular, um, you know, transfer funds need to be secured for the, for the summer because, yes, they've they've made a couple of interesting signings. They missed out on, a, on another particular interesting uh, striker, as we know, um, who who has moved on to uh, Istanbul. I can't remember whether it was for Galat or for but I know he scored in in that key game. But I just can't recall for whom. But uh, and and I think as as you saw, that is a player who can uh, Mohammed who can um, really hit the ground running. That I think could have added a third dimension to Sanchez's flagging attack. Um, but the the interest was there, and and perhaps the execution was not. But that's something they have to look forward to in, in the summer. Of course, finances will be tight, but those who spend are not guaranteed success, whereas those who make the shrewd moves certainly can be. And I think, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again, you know, San Etienne are perilously close to where Toulouse were um, in that this is a team that has managed a, a strong decline over the last few years. You know, now coming out of the Europa League sports hovering 
dangerously to 16th or 17th if they do not, you know, avoid the same mistakes that they've done over the past two, three years, not just recruitment, but squad management, off the, off the field issues, the board management and everything, they will fall through the trap door. And don't be surprised if they end up, um, you know, relegated, maybe not this season, but next season, if these things are not meant. This is exactly what happened to Toulouse, exactly what happened to Nantes and Lens back in the day, Auxerre as well. You know, big clubs that you're thinking in the French footballing landscape who just do not right the wrongs, they end up falling through the trap door. We've seen that across Europe. And it will be a shame if it happens because, of course, this is a club, that, you know, on, on name and brand and, and fans alone that should really be in the top five, top six every single year. Yeah, it, it does smack of kind of the inertia that we've seen with some of those teams you mentioned there before, Mo, what we've seen from Sante um, in recent times. And yeah, to, to, to go into what you were saying earlier, Mustafa Mohamed now has five goals in five games for Galatasaray. So uh, Anthony Modeste yet to score in Ligue 1. I believe for Saint-Étienne, but uh, Mohamed, five goals in five games for Galatasaray. And of course, he uh, he reportedly wanted to make that move uh, to Le Ver. Um, anyway, um, their opponents are, of course, Lance, who are flying very high in sixth uh, this season. We spoke a bit about uh, them in the last show, um, praising uh, Franquez and the job that he's doing. Um they had a tricky match at the weekend. They were 2-0 down, as I mentioned, inside 10 minutes before coming back through a brilliant uh, goal from Jonathan Klaus. And uh, finally, Ono Kalimuendo equalising in the 92nd minute. Uh, Eric, a kind of a broad question for you here, but um, what has impressed you most about Lons this season? Um, you know, newly promoted, sixth in the league, 41 points. Um, yeah, is there a, a specific quality or player? Uh, who uh, th- that's kind of stood out for you so far? Um, I think that they just never say die. I, you know, I, this is, I don't know how many matches they've come back into, you know, and even if they haven't gotten a point or a win in all of them, I mean, they really keep battling right to the end. I mean, this is something that, you know, I'd seen in terms of the scores and, and what have you, but, you know, watching them go, go three nil down against Leon and battle back to almost draw that match, you know, I mean, again, really draw, drilled it into me. And this was when Leon were really flying. Um, you know, that that combativeness, that, that you know, the the fact that they've had injury issues as well. I mean, uh, Ignatius Ganago uh, being key among them, Loagbade and Facundo Medina both missed a couple matches as well. Um, Seiko Fofana took a little while to, to get up and running given his injury history. Um, but yeah, they've just you know, displayed a remarkable level of consistency when other players have had to come in. Um, you know, you've, you've got the likes of, I mean, there were great players that players that have been key for them that weren't starting. Callum window is one. He came off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think, uh, Isiaga Silla and Ismail Bora have been decent as well. Um, you know, Steven Fortes has been good when called upon in defense as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that's just in terms of fostering a squad, an attitude throughout the squad, uh, Francais, in addition to having, a, you know, what I think is a relatively innovative system, you know, it's not something we, I think we would necessarily expect a rather forward thinking three, four, one, two from a promoted side. Um, he's got them succeeding in, in that organization and he's able to, to, you know, mix and match the players when injuries and suspension have happened. Um, and they've, and they've just approached the whole season with really a, you know, uh, 
really a full tilt attitude. I mean, and, you know, again, players, you know, certainly Kyle Kakuta has been impressive. Ganago, when he's been fit as well. Uh, Loic Bade, the young central defender, has been excellent. Um, but, yeah, by and large, I think that this is, this is a team playing with an immense amount of spirit and, and uh, competitive motivation. And I think that's a testament to the difference that a manager can make if we say if we contrast that to situation at, at, um, at Ren. Um, you know, I know that they did spend quite heavily this summer by their terms, bringing in the likes of Fofana um, and Ganago. But again, you know, the the proof's in the pudding that that Lens, you know, not only are where they are, but I, I would say, you know, maybe even look, you know, along along with Mess, if that sixth position is European, um, I think the two of them do look well positioned to get that. I know that um, Montpellier and Marseille are nipping at their heels, but um, yeah. Um, just a really, uh, and, and in terms of, like, I know he won't win manager of the year, but I think in terms of the job that the manager has done in terms of the placement of the table versus the resources of the club, uh, I said at Lens and he and Antonetti have cer- are certainly, you know, neck and neck for, you know, how impressively they've, they've had their teams uh, playing this season. And ironically, with not dissimilar situ- systems tactically, uh, Mass also play a similarly constructed 3 4 1 2. But yeah, again, uh, it's it's that attitude, I think, that, that IAS has instilled in them that really makes a difference for me. Yeah, I agree completely. That attitude, that that bravery, that I, I never say die, I believe you put it. That's that's certainly been joyful to behold. And um and just the depth that he the, the 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 you know, he seems to rotate the side quite a lot, particularly in, in these double match weeks. And, you know, whether it's Sotoka up front, whether it's Ganago and Kalimuendo or Sotoka and Kalimuendo, you know, there's always those they're, they're always able to deliver, and it's um, it's hugely impressive indeed. Um, Mo, the I guess the final final point um, coming to you on this one. Uh, do do you see Lons as being able to to maintain this um, maintain this challenge? Oh, a bit of a tough question. Um, <laughs> yes, and only because I've probably said about five to ten weeks ago that that was it for them, that somehow they fall away and they still <laughs> haven't. I think they've got a record that, you know, Bordeaux and Saint-Tien can definitely feel proud of. They're still sitting pretty in six. They're still on a run of, I think, five or six games unbeaten overall. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, just double-checking that. That's absolutely correct. It's actually, like, it's, you know, one one defeat in ten in all competitions um, oh. and picking up very, very good uh, points, but also very good performances as well. Um, they've been a proper revelation. I think they've really taken to their, you know, first season back in Liga and the previous time they were in Liga in 2014-15 sort of ended as, as quickly as it sort of started. Um, and, you know, they they like, you know, they really can be a banana skin like Mets um, because of their sheer dynamism, because of the tactical setup. And I think Heise in particular has been uh, very good at managing his legend squad and really uh, putting together uh, a coherent tactical approach. Um, yeah, um, only because there's about, what, 10, 10, 10, 11 games left in the season and they still have not, um, you know, have not been um, sort of uh, going back down to expectations that have been set for them um, before the season began. Uh, considering the teams below them, you know, Montpellier are sort of starting to get away. Ren are in free fall. Bordeaux, Nice, uh, you know, at best, wildly unpredictable. And Brest, as we just discussed, have really fallen like a lead balloon. I think 
you know, why not? Why couldn't they make um, a first ever appearance in the Europa Conference League? You never know. Um, and I think it might be a shootout between them and Nets for that. And I hope that they will be playing each other soon. Yeah, they are. 14th of March. Mark the calendar. There you go. Well, that a real clash of the, uh, the 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 new titans, I suppose, in in that one. But yeah, very much looking forward to that. But gosh, I mean, you know, what what uh, the images are already rife in my mind of fans back in stadiums next season and European football coming to Lons, of course, which is a a pl- a, a, a place and a, a a club renowned for their passionate supporters. So what what a what an incredible story that would be if they are able to do that. Be it in the you know, the new Europa Conference League or the Europa League, we will see. Um, anyway, finally, guys, I'm going to I'm gonna force your arms here to give me a score prediction in this one. So, Santetti and the home side versus Lance. Eric, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, how about a 2-1 win for Lance? Ooh, okay. Mo? Same for me. Exactly the same. Well, it's a full house here. I have that written down as well. So, 2-1 Lance <laughs> will... We'll see how that one goes. But yeah, maybe another 90-second minute winner for Arno Calimuendo. Anyway, that will be all from us here. Thank you guys very much for your time. As always, make sure you're following us at GFFN on Twitter for all the latest news from around the world of French football. And please check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. I'm Jake Smales, and I've been joined by Eric Devin, Muhammad Ali, and Kale Stockwell. Stay safe, enjoy the football, and have a great week.